only on Radio Catskill. Welcome to the local edition. News and information keeping you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dole, here with you on Labor Day. And we have a special Labor Day program tonight. Coming up, we'll hear a little more uh, from my interview with Elizabeth Grass from Rural Migrant Ministries. We'll also get our Sullivan County check-in by talking to Laura Quigley from uh, the Workforce Development Board in Sullivan County, talking about what both employees and employers need and what the county has for them. But first, let's start with a regional uh, look at labor and unions. The Hudson Valley Area Labor Federation is a representative body for 103,000 families belonging to unions across seven counties, including uh, Columbia, Dutchess, Green, Orange, Rockland, Sullivan, and Ulster. And on this Labor Day today, we are joined by Sparrow Tobin, president of the Hudson Valley Area Labor Federation. Welcome back to the program, Sparrow. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So um, today is Labor Day. Before we really get into the questions, I'm just wondering on on a day like today, on Labor Day, like what what is it that you want folks to have in mind on a day like today? Uh, basically, to you know, look back at some of the gains we've made historically for workers in this country. Uh, now it's not just about hot dogs and a day off. You know, originally it's a day to celebrate workers and to give them time off with their families uh, and to look back at. The gains that we've made as workers, I mean, you know, without unions and organized labor, you know, we'd all be working six six days a week, you know, long, you know, days. You know, if you look at some of the old mill workers' contracts, they, they had to work six days a week, 14 hours a day. Uh, they got to leave a half hour early on Saturday. That was it. So, you know, child labor. So, you know, just appreciate the, the gains we've made as workers in this country and to appreciate the time with your family. So as you're saying, Labor Day is a time to remember the, the historical struggles and achievements of the labor movement going back through history. But it's also a time for us to look at what's happening right now in terms of labor and then also looking ahead. What, what are what are some uh, things? What are some goals, key goals uh, that you believe uh, labor in general and your labor union in particular should strive for in the coming years to keep enhancing the rights and well-being of workers? Yeah, I mean, in some ways everything's the same, and 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 some ways everything's changing. Uh, you know, good news is uh, we did some polling this year, and eighty-eight percent of young people—that's so almost nine out of ten people—support unions. Uh, two thirds, two out of three people support unions. So, union—the uh, idea of a union—is uh, has major support in the country. But as we uh, as the economy changes. We have to change and adapt with it. And as the jobs change, we our challenge, our goal is to make sure that the new jobs that are created are good union jobs. We don't want to replace, you know, uh, good union jobs. For example, if you're the folks building the buses and now all of a sudden the buses are changing over to electric buses and new companies are coming into the market, we don't want them to go from union jobs that made buses to non-union companies. So we're trying to uh, keep up with the changing economy uh, as things change. And we believe that doesn't have to be like one thing or another. For example, like the climate, you know, we need to address the climate you know, uh, changes and the environment. And, you know, we can't be, you know, 
we have to have new new jobs, but they don't have to be union jobs. We want these new jobs in the green economy to be union jobs and good jobs. And so that's our challenge is to, one, kind of keep up with the changes, and two, to organize people that are that want to join a union. I think uh, if you just heard that song, Richmond, North of Richmond, you know, a lot of working people, I think, feel powerless today. You know, they feel frustrated. I think the uh, chorus is overtime hours for BS pay. I mean, people feel, you know, powerless. And, you know, I think the, the answer to that is to join a union because unions are better. You know, I don't like the rest of the song. It kind of puts down people that are obese, but, you know, it shows the frustration that people have. You know, the Richmond North of Richmond, I think he's talking about politicians there, and some of them are tone deaf. I know I watched the uh, recent Republican debate, and they asked the people about that song, and instead of, like, having had a chance to address the frustrations of working people, I think one of the gentlemen on the stage said, well, uh, I think the song means we need to make Joe Biden a one-term president and totally whiffed on the answer. That's not what the song's about. It's about people being frustrated that they're working and uh, and they feel powerless in the job. So, you know, that's why we're pushing to organize. Uh, you see it throughout the country. I think there was over 300 strikes this year um, wow. in all different sectors. And, and I think 300,000 people participated in those strikes. So it's always a fight. That's part of the the thing that that I you know ordinarily I would say that I feel like the message uh, isn't really getting through to folks. Uh, well, you, like you say, there's frustrations. It does seem like sometimes uh, those frustrations aren't being directed in the most useful uh, directions, at least in terms of of labor accomplishments and historic ones. Right. And I would say that like I'm not seeing a lot of energy or excitement out there because uh, of maybe what I'm hearing in the news, but um. At the same time, there's been so much news in recent years of of big news of union uh, advancements in places where they they hadn't even uh, been before. For example, like the Starbucks uh, efforts getting traction, and you're saying 300 strikes. I mean, that's that's that shows a lot of energy and interest. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, a couple of years ago we didn't have any Starbucks organized. Now we they're all throughout the country uh, because unions address issues like there's a gender pay gap there's a racial pay gap you know it's better if you're a woman it's better to be in the union if you're a person of color it's better to be in the union uh, if you're lgbtq it's better to be in the union because we address issues of pay inequity and you know fighting for people to get a voice at the workplace but also fair pay and compensation because uh, as i mentioned before like some things always stay the same i mean it's always a tug of war between uh, you know, a company, you talk about big corporations, you know, there's the cost of doing business, labor's part of that, but there's also, there's profits at the end. And how much of the profit do you give to the workers? And, you know, there's a tug of war. If you're not in a union, there's just one person trying to, you know, ask for better working conditions. But if, when you're in the union, you're a collective group of people and you're tug of war and you're saying, no, some of these profits need to be part of our wages. And, we have big corporations like Walmart that made their made fortunes, you know, paying their workers as little as possible, and then uh, you know, and reaping the the profits. And they're the worst example because you know, not not only do they pay their workers so low, uh, they also the people are paying so little that they have a lot of them that depend on government assistance to get by. 
So, in fact, taxpayers are subsidizing these, you know, multinational, these, you know, these corporations that are, you know, uh, making, reaping billions of profit, but they're not sharing with their workers. And I think you're seeing that with the SAG Astra strike. I mean, in the beginning, I think Netflix and Disney, you know, the streaming services, it was kind of like a, a new thing, you know, starting a new way of, uh, you know, distributing uh, content and entertainment. And so they didn't, I think, insist on a larger chunk of, the, you know, the, you know, the profit that they're making. But as you look at after COVID, I mean, a lot of people now, you know, they're getting most of their entertainment through the Internet, through the streaming services. So see the, the you know the screenwriters uh, the actors are striking because they you know they want they deserve to have a decent living and provide for their families and it's not just the, the superstar you know the Brad Pitts it's everybody uh, that's involved in making them so you know it's not fair if, if Disney or, or Netflix make they're making a fortune on these on this content that the workers are, are creating you know they, they need to be paid fairly and so the strike is like the ultimate last weapon that we have to fight greed. You know, you know, if the actors don't act, there, is, there are no movies, so they need to compensate them fairly. You know, you mentioned a number of labor concerns, you know, gender pay gap, a lot of these issues. I'm wondering what's front of mind for you when it comes to uh, how these issues play out locally in the Hudson Valley. Like, what exactly are you working on right now? What are your members, your constituents uh, most concerned about? Uh, well, we have housing is a major concern with our members. Uh, because we're so close to the city, you know, we saw this after 9-11. Uh, people, after COVID, a lot of people moved out of the city, they moved north, they sold their houses in the city, and they moved north to Orange, Rockland, Dutchess, Sullivan. And that is put a burden on our housing stock that, you know, the cost of housing has gone up. There's a uh, shortage of, of uh, rentals available. And, uh, you know, you see a lot of the, the bigger rental in uh, apartment complexes have decided to raise their rents uh, just because they can. Not that they're, they're, they're on a, you know, their costs went up so much, but just they're trying to figure out how much money they can squeeze out of people. And so I think they say you shouldn't pay more than 30% of your income towards housing. But we have folks that are paying 50% of their income to just to, to, uh, to pay for rent. And so, you know, it's an issue that we're looking at and concerned with as far as our workers. And we're trying to see if we can partner maybe with the community and our elected officials to see what we can do about addressing, you know, this housing crisis because it's, uh, you know, it's it's tough on the working folks uh, if you have to put such a large chunk of your salary towards housing. You know? Yeah, yeah, and and we're seeing. I mean, as you you were talking about like the issues that that affect workers, it's like. It it affects so many other things, and one of the first things I was thinking of is is um, uh, you know, the fact that 
people might look at, at the world now and say, like, oh, well, there's so many people that are still living with their parents or grandparents. They don't get a place of their own. It's like, well, that that dynamic that you're talking about, corporations paying people less and less. That's that's one of the results that you get, you know, just as right. uh, you know, people not having uh, health insurance provided by their employer or not being paid enough to cover their own health needs um, causes them to be less healthy, which incurs an even greater cost for them and for society, like so much of this comes right from this uh, running things right to right to the edge of of what what can you get out of workers and give how little can you give in return and uh, that's absolutely part of this housing issue. Uh, now and and again, we're covering that issue locally in so many different ways. So that's that's one of the local things you're looking at. Um, but we we do know there's there's like uh, labor rights, workers' rights often extend beyond national borders. So if we go in the other directions, um, are you doing anything uh, that connects with international labor organizations? Uh, we are. We're trying to, like you know, in Europe is heavily unionized, and then so we we see some companies that kind of do the right thing in Europe, but then they come, you know, they open up a shop in the United States and then all of a sudden they're union busters and they don't want to provide for, you know, good wages and benefits for their workers. Meanwhile, maybe in Germany, they're, they're doing, doing the right thing. And so we're trying to hold some of the international companies feet to the fire to make sure that they, you know, provide good union jobs here in America. Also the, you know, the trade agreements, trying to make sure but that's really tough like make sure that they're supporting workers rights to organize not just in america but in like other countries as well like we think we have it tough and you know, try to organize a you know a union in some of these countries you might disappear you know like <laughs> they might arrest you that might you might just go missing so uh we're we think that any part of these international trade agreements need to include protections for the right to organize uh, in those countries as well. And make sure they're fair for American workers too. I mean, we're fighting sending jobs overseas for years now. It's, it's, you know, right. And the CEOs are getting rewarded for it. I mean, it used to be 56 years ago, the CEO made 20 times the average worker. You know what it is today? I think it's like 270 times the average worker. So, you know, they ship jobs overseas and then increase their own salaries. So it's, you know, we need to you need to find some balance. You know, we can produce things in America, and we see we're seeing that with the infrastructure bill, the semi the semiconductor chips bill. And there's going to be a lot of investment back into America. And so, uh, you know, I think this is a good time to be in a lot of a lot of big projects coming down, and I think we're going to benefit because we've seen you know the effects of globalization. When we send everything overseas, I mean, uh, it's not good for the economy. It might be cheaper to buy a TV, but in the end run, you know, it's a tremendous loss of good jobs. Uh, we're going to have to go now. Sparrow, do you have any events or anything that's coming up that you want folks to know about for the Labor Federation? Uh, yeah, you can check our website out. We're going we're to continue to work on housing. If you want to start a union, uh, contact us. We know a lot of people have. We get a lot of people, especially this year and recently, just walking into our office saying, you know, I'm fed up with things at work, you know, help me start a union. So, we're looking to help people if you're interested. We've been talking to Sparrow Tobin of the Hudson Valley Area Labor Federation. They're online at hvalf.org. We have more labor and worker issues to talk about coming up, including employee and employer resources 
here in Sullivan County. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Hello, I'm Sullivan County Clerk Russell Reeves. In two years, all domestic air travel will require a passport or real ID. The clerk's office and DMV can help. The DMV can answer questions and help you obtain your real ID. The clerk's office does passports and passport photos by appointment. Both offices are open 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, at the Government Center on North Street in Monticello. Appointments can be made at SullivanNY.us. Thank you. Paid for by Sullivan County Government. Welcome back to the local edition. It is Labor Day and it's Monday. And on Mondays, what we do is we check in with Sullivan County. So what we figured we would do this Labor Day Monday for Sullivan County, we check in with the agency within Sullivan County that is focused on labor in a key way, the Center for Workforce Development. And uh, we have the privilege of speaking with Laura Quigley, who's the executive director of Workforce Development Board. And uh, she'll be talking to us about uh, the center. Laura, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me, Jason, and happy Labor Day. Happy Labor Day. And I was wondering if you could just start off by reminding folks what what the center is. So the Center for Workforce Development is um, located at 50 North Street in Monticello at the Sullivan uh, County Career Center. We uh, share space there with the New York State Department of Labor, and between the two agencies, we help people. Um, who either just need to update their resume all the way through to training and job placement. So it's soup to nuts, all your employment needs. We also help businesses with recruitment and retention issues to help them to make the best match. That's right. And so it's kind of like uh, approaching the, the issue of the workforce from both ends of it, from the perspective yes. of the employees and the perspective perspective of the prospective employers. Yep, absolutely. They're both our customers. So um, after the the main wave of the pandemic, a lot of businesses, uh, especially restaurants, they really needed help. They really needed employees. Some even had to temporarily close or change their hours. Where are we with that situation now here in 2023, especially at the end of what's usually the busy season for us in Sullivan County? I think it's a combination. I think that there are some businesses that adjusted and altered their uh, business model a little bit to accommodate not being able to fill um, all of their positions like they did in the past. Some were able to fill, but I think at the end of the mo- at the end of the day, when you look at it, you know, like July's unemployment rate is two point seven, and we don't have enough bodies for all of the openings. So. We have a shortage of people, even though we have like 39,000 people in the labor force. Um, there's more job openings than there are people, number one. And then in some cases, there's a mismatch of skills. So there's folks who may be looking for work, but the openings that are there, they don't have the training and the skills for those positions. And that's kind of where we come in to try and help to fix that skills mismatch. Um, so it is, it, 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 it's a combination of things. I think it's come back strong. Um, we have come back strong without a doubt, but we're not, um, we're not quite yet back to where, um, where, where we could be. There's more people working today than there were in 2019 pre-pandemic. Um, but we still, we still have a ways to There's go. There's still we a still need. We're short on people. Yes. There's absolutely. still a need. 
Can you give us an example of some of the the types of assistance and guidance that you give to people that are looking for suitable job uh, opportunities? Well, if someone is is you know has has a, a, a decent set of skills, right? They can come into the into the center. We can help them with their resume. If they haven't interviewed in a long time, there's interview workshops. Um, if they need to talk to a career counselor to kind of see, do I want to stay in this field? Do I want to look at a different field? And then we have um, access to uh, not only what we call our hot jobs, well, you know, the, the jobs that, that we list, all the other jobs that come through on the electronic job bank, as well as on-site recruitments that businesses come to the Career Center recruit right there, um, and at times hire right on the spot as well. And and so we can do that. If you're somebody, like right now, we've been really focused on the trades. There is a real need with plumbers and electrician and welders and construction workers. So, um, and we do not have adult um career and technical training in the county. So we, we've partnered with BOCES, and the county legislature funded a construction program this past spring that um, we put, it, we piloted it. So we had eight people went through it. Um, half of those guys are with the union, um, are with the carpenters union. They were hired directly, and we just heard that they graduated through their initial uh, training that they have to go through with them. And the others are working elsewhere, and one, I believe, is going to be a teaching assistant at BOCES. Now we're working with BOCES, and we're going to be doing welding in the fall. And that welding program will have an industry certification attached to it. And then we're looking at electric and, uh, electrical in the spring. And so we're trying to slowly build up our trades because that is a serious, serious need. We also, um, in working with SUNY Sullivan, they will be starting a CDL program uh, this fall to be able to get a CDLA or a CDLB license because there's a big need for CDL drivers. And so we're hoping by <clears throat> really um, focusing on these jobs as well as our healthcare jobs, but these jobs that are not, you know, readily outsourced, that are seriously needed, um, that we can – and they pay well – that we can um, – build up that whole segment in the next, you know, three to five years. And I was, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about um, what you do for veterans. You, do you have like a priority program to, to help veterans yes. find employment? Yes. Veterans get a priority of service through workforce. So if somebody comes in and they either identify or when, you know, they're asked basic questions, they put down that they're a veteran, they get first dibs on jobs. They get first dibs on training. Um, they get, and their spouses as well, um, get a priority of service through the center, yes, without a doubt. How do you feel big picture as, as we wrap up here? Um, you know, what, what, it's Labor Day. So, you know, we're thinking of, uh, the historic advancements that, that have impacted workers over the years, but we're also thinking of, you know, the needs of, of workers now. What's, what's the state of labor in Sullivan County from your perspective and your position there at the center? I think that we are reflective of what's going on nationally. Right now, there are six generation, generations that are in um, that are in the labor force six generations the majority of the of the workforce right now are millennials 
but there's there's lots of disruption from COVID. There's lots of disruption from the generational changes. There's lots of disruption from technology. So I think we're a microcosm of what's going on nationally, and it's it's. I think the workforce is going to look very different in five years than it does now. But how that is going to look, I don't know. Because it's there's so many things going on that I know in my 32 years of being in 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 workforce that I have not seen before. It's not typical recessions. It's not typical cycles. This is very different. We've never had six generations in the workforce. We've never had the technology advances that are going on so fast. We've never had the disruptions. It's it's just it's very interesting. A um, little scary, but very interesting to see what's going to happen. That definitely describes these times in many ways. Very interesting, uh-huh. a little bit scary. Uh, we've been talking scary. with the Executive Director of the Workforce Development Board in Sullivan County. Again, Center for Workforce Development can be found at SullivanNY.us. And Laura, do you have uh, the that phone number again? Sure. It is 845-794-3340. Laura Quigley, thank you so much for joining us. And again, happy Labor Day. You too, Jason. Happy Labor Day to you too. That's Take great. care. Okay, and finally, here on the local edition tonight, we're going to wrap up the program by revisiting my conversation from Thursday evening with Elizabeth Grass from a Rural Migrant Ministry. She's a special funding events coordinator, and we uh, talked about an event that they have coming up. We also talked a little bit about Labor Day, and that portion of the interview did not get aired on Thursday. We saved it for right now. You know, it's Labor Day weekend, and uh, it's a big weekend for a lot of folks. A lot of people have plans. A lot of people have vacations. But there is a reason behind this season, and it's a history of uh, workers' struggle and workers' achievements. And it's a chance for us to talk about uh, just the state of of labor, the state of workers uh, in in our area. I'm wondering, from your perspective, working in uh, rural migrant ministries, what's your take on where uh, local workers and and local laborers are at on on this Labor Day weekend? It's really important that we honor and acknowledge the work of New York State farm workers. Um, a lot of people don't even know there are a lot of farm workers in the area, even on Long Island or in the Rochester area. But it's important that we first educate ourselves on what these workers face and go through on the day-to-day to feed us and put food on our plates. And the idea that um, for this Labor Day and every Labor Day that they are the ones that are picked and, and, and sustain us. So it's really important to acknowledge them, celebrate them, empower them for the hard work that they do um, every day throughout the season. Is there any difference between the needs of the workers that, that you work with uh, in rural versus more urban areas and in, in places, someplace like Long Island, Rochester versus the Hudson Valley? Are, are there differences or are the needs relatively universal? Well, throughout New York State, they're relatively universal New York State labor laws. Um, but specifically, the a lot of rural workers don't get as much support in terms of the organizations and things like that as um, city and things like that. So the, the important part of rural and migrant ministry is that we are rural-only based. So we are giving the opportunity for this group of people that don't have a lot of resources um, to voice themselves. So... Uh, for example, transportation is a huge problem um, in rural New York for our farm workers and our farm worker families. So that's one of the biggest things we do for our programs is we make sure there's transportation. And a lot of times when you're in a city area and things like that, 
you may not even think that's a thing. Um, but as we know in the Hudson Valley, that is very important yeah. and things are very widespread. Yeah, I, and uh, anybody trying to do anything, especially if it's, uh, well, it's whether it's people just getting to work or people from civic and even non-governmental organizations trying to do nonprofit work, transportation is one of the biggest hurdles uh, in the yeah. area. Could you speak a little bit about what, what it is that you tried to do for folks uh, to, to help with that issue? Yes. So we have a multitude of programs that happen here in Cornwall. Um, and basically the idea is that we make sure that anyone who wants to participate in our adult programs or youth programs, that they have transportation every single time they come here. So that's one of the biggest hurdles. A lot of times we'll have um, some of our people who are like, well, we love to, but we don't have a way of getting there. So we just make sure that that's one of our key components of what we provide is transportation for our people. And is there any final thoughts that you want folks to keep in mind? Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of times you might not know uh, what we are and who we are. And, and the best thing about it is if you're interested in social justice, rural New York and change, um, you know, come visit us in Cornwall, visit us online and and just get a sense of who we are. Come visit us in person and see our programs and events and and talk to our people to really get a sense of that New York is a big place, but small. So, you know, any impact is possible. And uh, that website is ruralmigrantministry.org. And the farm worker celebration and walk is happening on September 23rd and telling us all about it here today. We've been talking to Elizabeth Gress, Special Fundraising Events Coordinator at Rural Migrant Ministry. Elizabeth, I want to thank you so much for going over all this with us. Thank you so much for having me and so happy to have RMM out there in the world. <laughs> That's going to do it for the local edition tonight. Thank you so much to all of our guests. Thank you for listening and happy Labor Day to you, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. We'll be back tomorrow evening. We'll do it all over again right here on Radio Catskill. Stay tuned. Daily is up next. WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. Radio Catskill, your NPR station for the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania.